Okay, good morning everyone. Let's get started. Yesterday was Daf Chav Gimel number 23. Today is Daf Chav Dalid. And we are learning Lili Nishmas, Karayin Nebes Tzvi Ze'ev, and Moshe David Ben Avtol Yosef Alevi. And we are also... Um, have in mind for Shalema for uh, Yitzchok ben Homion or Beruz, whatever, uh, you know, ben Hakakin. I don't know what how he's doing, but they're saying a lot of Telem, so. All right. All right. Okay, so let's get started on to the review of yesterday's daf. And uh, we started uh, quite a ways down on Davchav Gimel Amr Aleph yesterday. What do they put out? One finger or two fingers? So the Gemara says, if you can put out two fingers, so of course you can put out one finger. So the Gemara is saying, what we're talking about, putting out two fingers, it doesn't mean um, counting twice. It means that the person who has the dexterity to put out one finger will put out one finger. If he lacks that dexterity and he needs to... Uh, put out both two fingers, then it's fine. That's uh, that's what we mean over here. Um, and um, uh, I, it says in a, we brought down in a brisa that you could put out one, but you can't put out two. So that's the uh, that's exactly somebody who has the dexterity to put out just a single finger. Then he needs to do so, and he does not have the option. That's what he said. The Yechidim, they are, they could put out two fingers, but it's still only counted as a single count. Um, next we saw is that, um, um, is that true that there's only one count? But the, it says that you can't put out the third finger, nor can you put out the thumb. And that's because of trickster, tricksters who are trying to get an extra count in. And if they put out a third finger, we still count they count it, but uh, the thumb, we don't count it if you catch him. And uh, not only that, is that he's going to get uh, whipped by the pointy. Um, so what does it mean that we count it? Not that we count it, but we count it as a single, you know, uh, one person. We don't count it separately. The pekia, we have to define what it is. Pekia is the ma- madra, which is a metarka, detai, which is with uh, basically what they use to whip the horse to get it to move. And that's what the Kohen is trying to, you know, up his, up, up his uh, chances of, 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 winning, uh, of winning. So by putting out his thumb, that's where he gets his punishment. And from there, Abai says, you know, when I originally learned in the Mishnah that Ben Biboy was in charge of the Pekia, I thought that's talking about wicks. Because we learn that uh, in Mishnah that uh, that they in Sukkah that they used to make the torches um, with wicks from worn out pants of the Kohanim and their belts, um, and uh, once I heard this idea that um, um, that 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 it says that the, he got he got whipped by the Muna with a pikia and it means whipping. So then maybe that's what Bimbi Boy's job was is that he was the person in charge of corporal punishment in that way. All right. Next thing we talked about is the story. They were both running up the ramp. So they well, like like Doctor Monk said, they they ramped it up. Okay. 
Um, anyway, um, so the first, uh, the, the, so the first part of the story, the first version, our, the way our Mishnah has it, is uh, that uh, one of them shoved the other one and he fell and broke his leg. In this story um, that we brought down, um, they were also running and it was, uh, what happened was one was gaining on the other one, so he didn't want him to get the job. So he. What? It sounds to me. No, I tell you what. I I understood that that he was in the lead by a lot, and the other guy's catching up, and he got. In, and he's like he saw that he was that he was overtaking him, and he stabbed him in the heart. That's what happened. What? <laughs> right. Right, exactly. So that's the story. Um, okay. Um, so basically, um, so the so so what happened was in, in that story. So he stabbed him to death, and that's when Rabbi Tzadok got up, and he stood on the steps of the ulam, and he said. Uh, my brothers, listen. The Torah says, The elders need to go out. Who's going to bring the Egla roof over here? Um, is it the city of Yerushalayim? Is it the Azaros? Is it the Kohanim that are living here? And everyone started crying, and it was a terrible, it was a great speech. Okay, anyway, what happened was is that the father of the child came and was looking and noticed that he wasn't quite dead yet. So he said, ah, oh, he should be your atonement. He didn't even die yet. The, the knife is not tummy. We could save the knife. And um, teaches us how precious Tyrus Kalim was even more than the death. It, he was obviously so indifferent to the death of his son. And, uh, and we find that, uh, that there was a lot of blood that Menashe had spilled until Yerushalayim was filled with blood. Anyway, question... The Gemara brought down that story. The question is, which story came first? Because uh, if the murder story came first, so if they didn't make an enactment from the murder story, why would they make one? Uh, and, and, you know, like, oh, it's like, oh, but put shoving now. That's something you have to worry about. Yelling, eh, that's such a big deal. Doesn't make any sense. And if it's the other way around, that the, that the, the, that, that he, he was the one who shoved, he made it. So once that already had established that we don't do a race anymore, so then how could the second story even happen? So that's the contradiction, it's unclear. So the Gemara explains that what happened over here was is that when, they, when one killed the other one, they assumed that that was such a freak thing that there's not worthy to make a takana on it. How could, I mean, that's like so out of the norm, they didn't really worry about it. But shuffing, that's something that's still normal, they might you know, jostle with each other to get into position and can get dangerous. And that was something where they felt, okay, now we really have to make a takana. So the story of the murder happened first, but that story was just considered so out of the norm that they didn't think that it was worthy to change the, the system because of that. Okay. Okay. Brings us to the next thing. Um, so we mentioned in the story that Rabbi Tzadok got up and he said that uh, who needs to bring the Egla roof over here? 
So the Gemara is bothered that, uh, he, what is his question? Yushalayim never brings an Egla Rufa. It's a Bryce. The Bryce says that there are 10 st- things they say about Yushalayim. One of them is that it does never brings an Egla Rufa, the idea being because the Pasuk specifically refers to a land that's an inheritance, and we know Yushalayim is the city that, they, they, that everyone shares. It's not subject to inheritance. So the Gemara says, um, and, and and that's one problem. Another problem is, is that, that they only have Egla Rufa when it's lo no when We don't know who is the murderer. Over here we have the perpetrator right in front of us. So the the only intent over here was that to get people to to to, to cry, to recognize, you know, how terrible such a story is. Now, the next part of the story is that uh, the father went and said, oh, Bar Hashem, the knife has not been uh, tame yet because my son didn't quite die. So, the, which shows us that the, the, the value of keeping purity on the vessels was on a higher level than murder. So the question is, um, what is the, in other words, what, obviously that's not correct, right? The murder should be on a higher rung than the Tomentara. The question is, what changed? Is it that the Toma and Tyra was elevated beyond the normal and uh, the Shrikh Hastamim was treated as normal, as it should be? Or is it the other way around? The, the Toma and Tyra is normal. What happened was is that the, the, the value of, of life has been downgraded and is not considered significant. That's the two ways that the Gemara asked the question. The Gemara says that uh, the fact that the Apostle brought afterwards uh, about Menasha killing, spilling a lot of blood indicates that uh, what it was was murder was weak in people's eyes and not a significant thing. People were being killed regularly. They didn't think anything of it, and that's why um, that's why that it wasn't that they were so uh, elevated with Tumatira in their sensitivity for that. It's that the um, it's that murder was downgraded in people's eyes as, as uh, just a commonplace occurrence. Okay. Yes. It brings to my mind a thought. I mean, in those in those times, a knife was an essential tool for life. Having a knife on you or your yeah. sword, right? So you you might use your if you might use your knife to to defend yourself. Okay. Maybe you hurt somebody, and maybe it's of course it's a man. Because you hurt somebody. You didn't kill the person, but you hurt them. That doesn't make it tummy. That doesn't... But, but not cautious, not that they you, 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 you plan on using that to kill somebody, that that's going to become tummy. Eventually. I mean, if you have a carbon... Yes, yes, exactly. The trying, truth is, look, it's a lot I'm of people... To apply it to what are you asking? I'm not sure the that, question. You want, you want to be eating later. I'm sorry. You are <laughs> dealing with killing a man later. You want to use your knife to put the food for you. No, they didn't use the same... Okay, whatever. Uh, no, no, they used the same knife. No, a hunting knife you're talking about. The, yeah, so, so first of all... A cleave, yeah. It's a cleave. So your question... Okay, so your question is, can you use the same knife that killed somebody? It's tambe now. They used so, no, no. Yeah, so no, the no. answer is, is that they... I mean, I don't know how commonplace it was, but if it, if it did happen, there's a system of how we purify it. No, that's not good enough. No, you're going to have to need the ashes of the red heifer to get rid of the tumor from the dead body. Yes. Yes. May I ask you, please, 
how did it happen that they were running with their knives? Like, do they have knives in their hands? Do they have knives on the belts? What did they do with knives? Did I don't. This is a very good the question. The tool belt? No, it was, it was the Batman utility belt. No. No, they did it. They they shouldn't have been having a knife. I don't think there's. I don't think it was normal. I, it was right. He shouldn't have had a knife on him. No question about it. They. That's not uh, um, why. Why he was carrying his knife and how he had that, that to happen is not is not typical. Typically, the condom are doing work. They don't have. It's they don't keep knives. They don't keep knives in the belt. It's a bad connection. I can't. There was a zealot within uh, Jerusalem Rabbi Yochanan and Rakai, both like they were knife trayers. Yeah, I, I'm not, I, it's not a clear connection, but uh, listen, uh, we're at the end, by, at the end of the period, the last period before the destruction of the second base of Migdash, it was a time of tremendous chaos, that's true, and there were terrible things going on. I don't know how far down this happened. This was not that late in the history of the Second Temple, but Reb Tzaddik was was it wasn't by a shady, right? Never, that's true, but right. So I don't know why they brought Menashe, but anyway, the point being is is that this is this is the fact that there was a later story of the pushing and it was an establishment of the pious indicates that it was pretty early on in the history of the Second Base of English, not relatively. Yes. You have a question? So we're saying that we, we were Zoe here to be able to build the second temple because we were able to overcome three cardinal things, which is uh, idolatry, bloodshed, and snus. Right. But like we are reading right now. Anyway, it's a very bad connection. You're cutting in and out. We'll talk afterwards the question. I can't, uh, whatever, I couldn't hear the question. All right, let's keep going. Just want to, we're over here at the Tanra Banan Anomid base. Okay. Um, the, the, so the Gemara is talking of now about the, clo- the clothing um, uh, that he wore for the, uh, for the Hotzah Sadesh, for the taking out of the ashes. As mentioned yesterday, there's two parts. There's the Truma Sadeshan, which was the first Havotah, and every single day that they took a portion off the Mizbech and put it on the side of the Mizbech. And then every, as a, on an as-needed basis, they would take out the extra ash to make room for more Karbanas, as it got too much. So the, we saw that in the Pasuk that you, that you did not have, you wore different clothes for the Hotzah Sadeshan. So, what does it mean, different clothes? So, first take is that maybe it's kind of like on Yom Kippur, which describes fundamentally different clothes between the regular clothes of the Kohen Gadol and the clothes of Yom Kippur. So, maybe over here you're putting on Big Day Chol in, in comparison. So, the Gemara says, no, by putting the words together, Pashat and Lavash, the Begadim are the same. They're both Kodesh clothes. Okay, so what does it mean when it says acherim? It means that they were just on a lower level. That it was the same material, it was kosher, but it wasn't as high quality. 
That's the explanation of the word acherim. Rabbi Ezer says that the use of the word acherim here means that it's teaching us not the new clothes, but who's doing it. For Otsas Adeshen, you can even use a Kohen who has a blemish. He's kosher to do Otsas Adeshen. Okay? Interesting um, um, halacha from Rebbe Yezer. Um, now, um, so w- w- this idea of having you clothes that is lower level, that's like that's expressed by the school of Rabbi Shmuel, which is like there's an idea, there's a value, an etiquette that is understood that the clothes that you cook the food for the master in, you don't serve the food in. Uh, it's going to lose the appetite, right? Um, so that's the same idea. Rish Lakish makes a statement here, it's a machlokis between Rish Lakish and Yochan, and Rish Lakish says that the machlokis regarding Hotzas Adeshen is also true for the Haramas Adeshen, the Trumas Adeshen, meaning that if you say like Rebbe Yezer, that you don't need a coin, a coin who has a blemish can take out the ashes, he also can do the Trumas Adeshen. Same thing, it says Rebbe, what Rebbe Yezer would say, and the Chacham would argue, on that Rebbe Yochan says no, Nobody would say Trumas Adeshen is truly part of the Avoda, and you surely can't do that. What's the shot in Rish Lakish? He says, I'll tell you, it can't be Avoda Trumas Adeshen because it only mentions two garments that he's wearing. If he's only wearing two garments, that proves that, that's all, that, that it's not really Avoda because there is no real Avoda that would be suffi- sufficient to just wear the pants and the top and not have the belt and the hat on. So uh, Rabbi Yochanan says that, no, it just mentions those two, but of course, all four garments were being worn. Why does it mention those two? It teaches us extra component, otherwise we shouldn't mention it at all. Don't, you know, it's assumed that it would be wearing the same thing, so why do we mention it? It's teaching us two side halachos. Number one, the shirt should be made to measure, midovad. And number two, michne sevad, yilbash al that it needs to be on his flesh, that it's the first thing that he wears. Rabbi Shlokish says, yes, it's true that it's there to teach those other drushas, but it's still um, just use of the word mido, ba'ad, and al-bisaro, all that is able to teach me these halachos, but the fact that we're mentioning the pants only and the shirt only indicates that that's all they, they were wearing. So on the at end of yesterday's stuff, we said that maybe this machlokas between Rishlokish and Yochran regarding Shumas Adeshen is a machlokas tandoyim. And that's where we left off with the presentation of this possible machlokas tanoim. What is it? It says in the word. It says in the pasuk, yilbash absaro. Now the word yilbash is superfluous. So the Rabbi Yudha says the word yilbash means that not only was he wearing the tunic and the pants, but he was also wearing yilbash the mitznefes and the abnet for the trumas adeshin. It required all four garments. That's what Rabbi Yudha says. Rabbi Dosa says that the use of the word Yilbash is to tell you that the clothes of the Kohen Gadol, of Yom Kippur, is kosher for a Kohen Hedyot all year long. And Rabbi says on that, that there's two reasons why that cannot be. Number one, the belt is different, because the Kohen Gadol's belt on Yom Kippur is made out of linen, and the belt of the Kohanim is made out of wool and linen mixed together. Number one. And number two, how can it be that you could use clothes that were used for an elevated Kedusha and use it for a regular Kedusha of a coin? So two problems with the explanation of Rebidosa. 
So what is Yilvash doing according to Rebbe? It's teaching us that, even, that it could be even worn out garments for that Shumas Adeshen, and it's still kosher as long as it's not torn. Uh, it's, um, it's, uh, um, it's okay. It's acceptable. Okay. <laughs> and that is as far as we got to yesterday. We're going to continue with this discussion into today's daf. Just